Hey guys, it's Brant, and I'm back with another The Panel Has Spoken video. And this time, we're doing The Elder. And this was a fan favorite. Uh, and it created a lot of controversy, controversy on the social media. Had people giving each other little jibes, jibes or, or jibs or about songs that they liked and didn't like. And uh, Rick, me and you talked about earlier that the 80s albums was going to get very interesting with yeah. people picking their favorites. And it's, this yeah. album was nearly impossible for me to predict any track below number one. <laughs> I figured I knew what was going to be number one. I probably all picked the, picked the same song, uh, predicted as the same song as number one. But want to get right into it with me. I have a very special guest. Of, of course, I have with me all the time my partner in crime, Rick from It's All For You Demon. But also joining the panel today, I have Mr. The Mr. Julian Gill of KISS FAQ. And, sir, it's an honor to have you. Um, you're like royalty to me. It's an honor to have you on the show. We're all just KISS fans. That's, <laughs> that's all we are. And, you know, thank you very much for inviting me to be on your show. That's uh, it's a privilege for me just to get out any opportunity to pontificate with fellow KISS fans about the soundtrack to our lives. It's a great opportunity for me. So thank you all. Awesome. Awesome. Um, so I, I contacted Julian a few weeks ago. It's been a month or so ago. And me and him has been talking uh, about getting together and doing a video for uh, well over six months, trying to find the right opportunity to get him in something. And when we got to this point, I was like, hey, somebody actually mentioned in the comments about Hey, Julian Gill's read a really good comprehensive book about this, uh, you know, album. You should check it out. And I was kind of like, hey, he only knew who was going to be on the show. So uh, I was really excited to see that we could get Julian for this one. And so we're going to get right into it because I've got my son Stephen here, of course. Hey. I can't forget who's here with me. And um, Stephen has, me and him have already reviewed the album The Elder, and he's a huge Elder fan He's not been in a video for a while. He wanted to come back, um, and and he wanted to come back and do this one. So this is perfect. So we got four of us. So we're all going to have an opportunity to say something. So I want to get right into it. We want to talk about the panel, and I do want to go down through the list of panel members really quick um, who all contributed to this because we appreciate each and every one of you and your input. So you, there's 82 of us all together, and you have, of course, me, Rick, Stephen, Julian, and then from Facebook, Ray Kelly, Keith Etz, Matthew Uchi, Mark Hilliard, Frederick Scalen. From Instagram, Tony P. Kiss Posters, The Clarences, Anthony M. Hill, 18, AJ Zetro, 1975, Sweet Dan, 1970, Gregory Pegg, Wesson Matthew. From Twitter, we got the Twitter gang, Surrender Dorothy, Brie Life Eternal, Vincent Marone Author, Howface, Steve, Sean DeHan, Jeff Wyatt, Colin Paradigm, Jason Zimbia, Where's Drago, Tony Rod, Dave Cranston, Sam Lugas, Jack Skellington, Paul Teplius, Tom Dust, Aladio, Bill Sharp, David King, John Schaefer, and D88 Racing. And then from YouTube, George, George Doley, Golamine Chapstein, Emily Graziano, Lee Gersman, Demetrios K., Travis Mulgard, John B. Good, Snake Hips 3131, That Toy Bonnie Guy, Aiden Pro Dalton, Kiss Kiss Carolina Hard Rock Metalhead, Mick C, Orville Dunworth, Matthew Smith, Trevor Blaylock, Perpetual Art, Brian Stacy, 
John Howard, Kiss Crazy 80, Super Kiss 1200, Joel Pegg, Mikhail D, Hulspa Metal, John O, Benoit Forgot, Les Wadley, and Les Wadley wanted to throw in, he picked upon his brother's behalf because this is his brother who passed away his favorite Kiss album. So he Les Wadley put his pick in on his deceased brother's behalf. Uh, Paul Bertolino, Jay Reed, Indy Colt 777, Jeremy Kimona, Darklight, 3SV 1333, Vaporman, X Joish, Dwight Manning, Tom S, Sublime 130, J Lee, Two Gay Dads, Keith Nido, Greek Freak, Rick R, Guitar Man, and Steve Revis. That's 82 of us collectively who weighed in on on uh, the Elder. So um, before we get into counting down the tracks and talking about our prediction for each track and then uh, announcing who's how we stacked them up. Does anybody have anything they want to talk about the elder uh, as far as their origin of it, what they think of it, what their overall feel of it is? Uh, Julian, we can start with you since you're the, the special, special guest. Sure. Well, obviously, I became a fan in the mid-'80s, so by that time, the album had disappeared from shelves. So it wasn't something that as I started to buy the catalog, I was able to find. So I ended up having to order a seven inch single from, you know, one of those import mail uh, order things that were in the back of Circus Magazine to get a taste of the elder. And I bought like the Japanese um, Oath single, which uh, came with like Escape from the Island on it. So that was my first taste of the elder. And then eventually in math class or something, uh, one of my classmates said, Oh, I've got the elder. It's garbage. I'll trade you it. But I want two albums. So I had to give him Def Leppard's On Through the Night and 5150 f for it to get the elder. And uh, I definitely got the better side of that trade. Um, so, you know, once I had it, I was absolutely blown away. Um, I, I didn't know any of the hype. I didn't know any of the drama. I didn't know any of the history that fans who had come up with the band throughout the 70s and into the 80s knew. So I was completely ignorant about it and the image because, of course, there weren't any pictures apart from on the cover of that uh, Japanese 45. So I really appreciated it just from a musical point of view. So, you know, it, it was in my boom box for quite a long time after that, just because it had been a mission to find a copy. And uh, it, to this day, obviously, with, uh, with doing the book with Tim, it's became, uh, remained an important part of the soundtrack to my Kiss life. Awesome. So, Rick, what about you? Um, my friend Dan and myself, we were waiting for Revenge to come out. And we knew Bob Ezrin was producing Revenge. And we had already heard Destroyer. So this is probably 91-ish. So we we bought The Elder on CD. And honestly, it, it, it was bizarre to me. It, it just didn't feel like Kiss. It, it was weird to me. But I was 18 at the time. And uh, then Revenge came out, and we kind of just forgot all about it. Me as an adult, I absolutely love it. And I have to listen to it from beginning to end. It's it's one of those like go-to basement pieces where kind of a November record for me. I just I love to just kind of dive into it and soak myself into it. Okay, so Stephen, what about you? Well, as uh, I'm sure a lot of your fans aren't super familiar with me because I've not shown my face in what seems like over a year now, but. Uh, you are the one who actually introduced me to KISS. It was around the time that I moved up here from West Virginia. Um, and 
I think like one of the very like I think it may have been the second Kiss album that you recommended to me was The Elder, and I think you recommended it to me purely based off of like the music that you knew I already listened to. I listened to a lot of like symphonic metal and stuff like that, so I feel like it was just you were like, oh, he might like this, and I ended up loving it. I mean, it's like a very magical track but the first thing that i thought was like on the front of it we all know it says for the motion picture the other i'm i just imagine some of these songs i'm like how are you gonna fit that into a film score <laughs> i'm like i don't see how that fits but i don't i i really love it it's i mean i don't think i would have come back for this review if i wouldn't have loved it so much so yeah yeah and and it's funny um uh if those of you who haven't seen the video, I'll throw a card up. You can check out mine and Steven's review of this. We go deep into visualizing the story of the boy. Um, and we kind of visualize and try to follow his track, what we conceptualize through the whole album. And it's one of those fun albums. It's really just like Rick said, you got to listen to it front to back. Um, as far as me, I have been with the elders since the very beginning. Um, this was when I was during the time when uh, my sister was getting Kiss albums faster than I was. She got Unmasked before I did. She got uh, The Elder before I did. And she somehow, I remember it plainly, and I actually asked her about it last week just to make sure. And the copy of The Elder that she had, which I asked her if she has anymore, and she said, no, she doesn't have any Kiss stuff. She's long since gotten rid of it. But I remember her version of The Elder being a promo version. It had I remember seeing the gold promo sticker on it. It had the vinyl in lyric sheet on the inside. And um, I remember the very first time I heard it, I was already in band and in symphonic band and playing the symphonic snare and the symphonic bass in junior high. Uh, you know, probably not very well, but I was doing it. And I remember beginning to appreciate symphonic music. And so when I first heard The Elder, it didn't sound like Kiss, but neither did Unmasked. And, and so and neither did Dynasty. So me living it live during that time, it was kind of we were already being prepped. We didn't know what to expect. It seemed like it was a long time before Unmasked came out. Uh, since Unmasked came out that The Elder came out. Wasn't sure if we were going to get it, and we knew that Kiss was possibly working on a movie. All the buzz was going around that they were working on a movie that had already thrown the name Christopher Makepeace around, who had been in a few movies uh, before then. And so we were expecting, hey, great, we're going to get another Kiss movie. And then The Elder came out, and when The Elder came out, it was like music from the motion picture. And so it just really started those creative images flowing and I've always loved The Elder since the very first time I've heard it. I've always been an Elder fan. And I appreciate it even more now as an adult on so many levels, musically and visually. It's got some really confusing parts where I was like, I don't think they quite got it right, uh, what they were trying to do. It's kind of confusing uh, in some places. But overall, I think it's a great, great... Um, it's one of those albums that... Along with Carnival of Souls, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a ashamed that, and I'm sad that Kiss is ashamed and and of these albums. They're they're ashamed of the Elder, they're ashamed of Carnival of Souls, and they're ashamed of Phantom uh, Kiss meets Phantom of the Park. And those are three things right there that I think are to me essential, just as essential as the trifecta beginning '70s, the first three albums, the second three albums, the two live albums. 
just as essential to me. Um, and I really hate that Kiss is embarrassed by, by this album because I really think they put a lot into it. Uh, they really did. Um, I will go ahead and say that I hate almost the way every instrument sounds on this album except for the the symphony. We actually mentioned that in our review that Eric's drums sounds like they're made out of paper and it sounds like his snare drum has a towel on the top of it and the guitars sound tinny and flat and Gene's bass sometimes sounds tinny and flat and like it's you you hear a lot more depth in the symphony than you do in the actual rest of the instruments of of the album i actually had um i I was kind of re-listening to it this last couple weeks to prepare myself to make my uh, list remake my list i guess Mm -hmm. and i was like what what other album around this time do i love that has better production better production value than this and i went back and listened to like one probably one of my favorite albums all the time russia's permanent waves and i'm like like this was like a, like as far as not we're not even talking about musicality but just as far as like production goes it just like wipes the floor yeah so but I, but, but that's I, a shame but that, now Jillian you did mention I did I looked back in my notes and I, I in my notes I cited where I got facts from and you cited on one of your uh, websites that Bob Ezrin basically produced this album but he didn't engineer it he didn't record it he didn't mix it. He had a bunch of other people who did the engineering and the mixing and the recording, whereas he was just kind of leading. He was he was painting with very broad strokes, uh, but I think that's one of the factors that it doesn't have the same harmonic greatness that um, Destroyer and and Revenge has. It has its own sound. It's just quality wise of the sound or the actual sound of the instruments to me this is the the third uh in the list of of the 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 bob ezrin trilogy as you as you as you could call it um but what do you i mean before we get into the songs what do you guys think about that do do y'all have anything with the actual overall sound of the instruments or is that just me and him being like super hypercritical well, you touched on it when you, you, you when you cited me. Um, keep in mind, this album is the Kiss album that used the most studios. I think there were nine different studios that they worked out of, and they were rushing all over the place. I mean, they were at Aces uh, at the beginning, and at the end, they were back at his. They were in Toronto in various studios from, you know, sound interchange to, uh, you know, little holes in the wall. So they were all over the place. Um, they had lots of different people attached to it. And then the band were second-guessing themselves throughout the whole process as well. So it's not surprising that some may pick up on you know, the issues with the sound. But, but I think, if nothing else, I find it to be an exquisitely crafted failure. Um, there's a lot of attention to detail. I mean, when you bring in medieval horn instruments, I mean... Come on, 
Mm-hmm. Rock band does that. And you have all these different elements, the underlying acoustic guitars layered with piano and then electric guitars in order to provide the textures. But while the mix, and this thing went through so many mixes and remixes, and that was what, you know, it was finally to the point where it had to be done by a certain day. So no wonder it may feel a bit muddy and rushed because at the end, you know, when they'd uh, been bounced around like a pinball trying to get that thing out, they probably did rush things. Bob was totally hands-on. He was completely involved in every aspect of the album, but uh, it was certainly not Bob at his finest, and uh, even he will probably admit that. Yeah. Rick, you got anything to add? Um, Well, I just think at the time when I first heard the record, you know, I had already heard Creatures, so that was such a huge sound. And then to hear this, it was a tad of a departure. Mm-hmm. All right. So we'll go ahead and get into the songs. Um, so we went ahead and tracked it down as 10 songs. Uh, I kind of didn't really worry about, we didn't worry about the uh, spoken at the end of I. And we, you could either combine Fanfare and Just a Boy and give that a score, or you could have just left Fanfare off and just scored Just a Boy on its own. I had some people do both. Um, I just tried to combine those scores. A lot of times they were really close anyway, and usually Fanfare fell below Just a Boy, and so I usually just admitted uh, Fanfare off their vote because it didn't matter. It was A lot of them, it was near the bottom anyway. Um, but without giving too much away... Uh, so we're going to go ahead and start with um, number 10. And so I want to know what you guys predict that the panel would have chose for number 10. And we'll go we'll go in this order. We'll do Rick and then Jillian and then Steven and then myself, and then I'll reveal what they chose. So Rick, start with you. Um, I said the panel was going to choose Escape from the Island. For number 10? Yep. I would have to say that it would be just a boy. I'm going to, I think it's I. You think it's going to be I? Yeah. Okay. And, uh, Julian, I kind of went along with you. I was thinking it was going to be just a boy, um, my prediction. And with 303 points, the panel chose at number 10, they chose Odyssey. Um, only two panel members, the Clarences and Golamine Chabstain, picked it as their number one song. Uh, me, I picked Odyssey sixth for me. Uh, and, and let me go ahead and say also, I love this entire album. There is no bad song on this album to me. I love this. I love every track. But we had to we had to put them in an order. So that's where it, it fell for me. Odyssey was uh, what was it? Tony Tony Powers, and it was a mm-hmm. song written by Tony Powers. But Jillian, correct me if I'm wrong, because I got the man that I pulled a lot of my facts from. Didn't Kiss actually record this before Tony Powers did? Yeah, that's absolutely right. He he didn't do it for a couple of years, or didn't release his. Uh, uh, don't uh, wait. This is a heist. I can't even remember now yeah. off the top of my head. But that yeah. came a couple of years later, along with a great video for it. Yeah, so um, I love I love Paul's vocal, and I believe I got off of Jillian's uh, got off Jillian also. Um, that originally 
this was supposed to be Gene singing first, and then Paul was supposed to come in right around on a mountain high somewhere where all the heroes dare. Because uh, Paul was kind of, there's some places where Paul and Gene sing together on these songs, and I love when they do that. I love when Paul and Gene sing trade-off verses or choruses in a song. And it almost like you you listen to it, Paul's always coming in almost as the boy figure, and Gene is coming in as the narrator, bad guy, council member. Sometimes he plays multiple roles where Paul's kind of playing the role of the boy. And that's just kind of how I... I may be totally wrong, but that's just how I've always heard it. But I like Odyssey. I hate that it came out I, down. I didn't score it down that low myself. Um, I actually picked it as number six. But I love Odyssey. I think it's got some great, great melodies to it. Um, I, I I think it's a great song. So okay. uh, I guess we'll go in the same order. Uh, what about you, Rick? Where'd you pick Odyssey uh, for yourself? I, I picked it at number seven. Um, to me, it's a little too operatic, uh, you know, like from a far off galaxy. But that's also the reason I do like it. Um, I'm just kind of back and forth on this one. Uh, so it's number seven for me. It's not super low, but I do enjoy it. And I do enjoy listening to the Tony Powers version because when you go back to the Kiss version after listening to his version, you realize how good Kiss is. So, yeah, it's number seven for me. Okay, Jillian, what about, where's, where does Odyssey come in for you? Well, on the day I listened to this and did my ranking, it came in at number five. And I've always been offended that Paul calls his vocal tragic on this. I just shake my head and just say, Paul, you were batting above average on what you were trying to give to this album vocally. You were outside your comfort zone. You were trying to stretch and reach into a, a far off galaxy and I, I i just think it's a majestic vocal i love the song i love kind of the lyrics which are just very unkiss like in terms of kind of how they would have presented themselves if they were writing that sort of song so i've always found it a fascinating song i would love to hear a gene version of this um if he ever did a take i'd love to hear how he phrased it how he approached it um it'd just be one of those glorious things just to to get to finally hear if he did okay where'd you where'd you pick it at for you as, as far as your number uh fifth Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, Stephen, you? Well, I I sent mine to you as in points, uh, so I guess that would make mine uh, five, right? Because if it was six, then points. If it had six points, that means it would be five, number five mm -hmm. overall. So, yeah, yeah, I picked it for five for me. Okay. I don't know. I just like the this song is kind of like epic and really grandeur. And I, I, I mean, a lot of the songs on this album are, but I feel like this is more of... Um, away from like the traditional rock and I, that's you know I think whenever it comes to like the songs that I really like off those albums that's going to be the trend and the, the songs that I favor so alright so that brings us up to number 9 uh, so Rick what did you predict for number 9 what did you predict the panel choose for number 9 for the panel I said the fanfare just a boy 
Yeah, for me, I, I think the panel would probably be escape. Escape from the island, okay. I'm going escape as well. Escape. Um, I thought, I thought Mr. Blackwell. I, I, I really didn't know. I, I just kind of, I was just throwing a dart. I, I darted a board almost. On. It's like, oh, well, maybe Mr. Blackwell. And it was hard for me to separate how I feel for some of these songs from what I thought other people were going to pick. Um, coming in at 315 points uh, at number nine is Escape from the Island. Uh, three panelists, Gregory Pegg, Kiss Crazy 80, and Steve Revist. Steve Revist uh, picked it as uh, their number one. Me, personally, I picked it as number 10. I picked it as my least favorite. It's not that I don't like it. I think it has a... Um, I think it's great. It's got a... Uh, it's For Ace, it's almost... I would have liked to hear... I guess my thought when I was trying to... My brain was splitting. I was having a moment, guys. Uh, I had read somewhere that Kiss wanted to have a, a lyrics to this, but they couldn't come up with the melody. I may be right, maybe wrong. Uh, I would like to have heard if this would have had melody. This is always one of those songs that just kind of confused me. Um, why there is a, a an instrumental song like this, other than if you see the boy and he's running through the jungle trying to get off the island after just having killed Mister Blackwell and. There's bombs going off behind him because you hear all the bombs and everything exploding, and I, you know, all of a sudden I just start seeing Bruce Willis, you know, just running and bombs or, or I'm being a kid, you know, it's like it becomes an action movie at, at this point in time, and uh, it it kind of went from being Lord of the Ringish type to being uh, Lethal Weapon, uh, or or Die Hard. And it was a very confusing song. Um, but I'm not the hugest fan of instrumentals. So uh, I put it down low for me. What about you, Rick? I put it at number 10 also. Um, I just wanted a little more out of like a a kiss jam. I just wanted something more. And to me, the ending always seemed confused. It, it almost seemed like they didn't know how to end it. So it was like... Just, I, I don't know. The ending of this track just always seemed like rushed and confused. It never seemed like it had like a real good ending to it. So it's number 10. Okay. I think I was a little bit more generous. I ranked this at number eight. And that's probably because it was the B sides of that Oath single that, you know, I bought way back when. So um, I've always been fascinated by this. And it was only kind of during the, the writing of the book that a, a work tape of them actually working through this song um, surfaced. There were like eight takes of them and it developed, it developed, it developed and finally reaches the final form. I love it. I, again, I, I think what you said um, about it being like a diehard soundtrack is certainly closer to than anything that you can kind of put together with the story and the plots that they had planned out and various treatments that they'd done for the story. So it doesn't make any sense within the context of it. I don't see any way that they could ever have thought about putting lyrics to it. It's just not that sort of uh, music track that could take lyrics other than maybe grunting, shouting, <laughs> or, or just screaming. Yeah, so what about you, Mr. Mr. Guitar Man? Mr. Guitar Man, who happens to also really love instrumentals, you mean? Yes. It's uh, it's place six for me. Okay. So, and I think I just summed up my reasoning right there. I yeah. mean, like, uh, I, I pers personally, me, I think this is 
the track that the guitars sound the best on mm-hmm. because that's the only thing that there is really but and you know i'll kind of echo what everyone else has said like up until this point in the album we've had like a pretty solid like we can imagine what kind of time period this movie this film would have taken place in even the front of the cover looks very old school like medieval and then you've got like tornado sirens like what <laughs> like okay we just mr blackwell kind of does the same thing as well though it kind of throws... yeah, the album gets kind of real confusing around mr blackwell escape from the island mr blackwell we said in our thing sounds like a wall street tycoon yeah you know like he steals the old lady's money out of her out of her purse when she's not looking you know, a little greasy slime ball, you know, so. Yeah, yeah. Well, <clears throat> well, we'll digress from that. But yeah, so, it, yeah, it's six for me. I do like the fact that this is all Ace and Eric. I mean, it's, you know, it's just, it's there's no Gene, no Paul. It's Ace and Eric on this song. Um, and that was there was a lot of that going on during the Dynasty, Unmasked, Elder era type, whenever Ace would kind of get off in his own little, studio and and make his own stuff and here you go <laughs> here's my tracks add to them if you want uh but that i think he was just kind of phoning some things in at this point he was real disillusioned with the whole process um say so that brings us up to number eight so what do you predict uh the panel chose number eight rick yeah this was just hard <laughs> to decide what the panel would choose so i said under the rose yeah, I went with uh, Mr. Blackwell. I'm going to say Fanfare, Just a Boy. Fanfare, Just a Boy. And my number eight was, um, I thought they were going to choose Escape from the Island. Um, and what they actually chose with 343 points is, uh, at number eight is Just a Boy. And uh, no one picked it as their favorite. And for me personally, I picked Just a Boy as number four. I love Fanfare. I love the monks in between Fanfare and Just a Boy. And I love Just a Boy from when that bass note slides up until it's done and it finishes uh, and goes into Odyssey. Uh, I love Just a Boy. I love everything about it. It's too short, in my opinion. Um... But yeah, it's it's a great, great song. I even like the falsetto. Um, there's a part in it, you're talking about, uh, Jillian, you're talking about the care that they took. Go back and listen to whenever, after Paul gets done saying, while some would search for one to God of summer, staring at me, and when they break into that, for I'm no hero, though I wish I could be. Listen to that, for I'm no hero, from, from where they say that to though I wish I could be and listen to the layers of harmonies there. There's stuff from all the way down at the bottom to all the way up at the top. I mean, way you hear Paul really, really pushing his voice. There is a very high, though I wish I could be. I mean, it is way up there, way higher than I could ever sing. And you hear it if you listen for it. Uh, and uh, just that little part right there, it's like, wow. There's like six or seven overdubs of vocals just right there. Um, and it's just that kind of, I'm just a boy too young to be sailing. I mean, it's just those visuals 
and it's not Kiss songs. It's a great solo, but it's too short. Um, but I love Just a Boy. Um, it's fourth for me, solid four. So what about you, Rick? Oddly, I ranked it at nine, which I don't know why I ranked it so low now that I look at my ranking, because I do like this song a lot. It's a great um, mood setter. Like you said, um, from fanfare into the song, it's it's almost like a perfect setting for the record. And I uh, I love like the sound effects after after Paul says "just a boy," and then I love that solo after the first chorus. Mm-hmm. I do like this song. I don't know why I ranked it so low. I, <laughs> I I don't I don't know what I was thinking, but I, I ranked it at nine. I do like it. I like it too, and I ranked it at ten. <laughs> but but something has to be top, and something has to be bottom, and it's very difficult with this album to kind of move the pieces around into you know where they feel they should be. And by ranking it least and lowest, or you know not liked on my list, it's not because I don't like it, because it's absolutely exquisite. You mentioned that solo. I want to know who played that. That's still a mystery, mm-hmm. and. We've never had a definitive answer to yeah. who that is. I was going to mention that, it but It doesn't I figured, sound or feel like Paul. I was going to mention that, but I, I wanted to see if you brought it up, that it's it was rumored that it was Paul. And Paul, it's definitely a solo that Paul could have done, but there's just a feeling there that I don't think Paul quite had. It was close to kind of his solo at the end of Hold Me, Touch Me. Um but it, it, it still, it just it didn't have quite the feeling. There's feeling behind that. And I, don't, I don't think it's Paul either. But we yeah. may never know. But those, those, those acoustic guitars in it, just the strum and then the silences, the, like the wind chimes or the triangles and just everything that pulls together in this song. It's absolutely glorious piece of music. But as proper song, proper number one on the album... You know, for anyone playing the the original track listing, it's just going to be the worst way to start a Kiss album possible, and that's why it goes straight to the bottom of my list. Ooh, we ready for the upset, boys? <laughs> Go ahead. Number two. Number two for you. Mm-hmm. Okay. I love it. I love the entire track. I mean, it's the perfect. Like, I mean, it, it it is what it is. It's like the perfect mood setter for the entire album, and, and like it gives you this expectation and these visions and the SFX that go on, and you know the the harmonies and the the craftsmanship around like the orchestra. I I I don't like the sound of the acoustic guitars personally. I think they sound very cheap. Um, but other than that, like I I love every bit of it, and I, I especially love. Paul's vocal delivery for the whole thing, even though some people say that he shouldn't be singing up there. I disagree personally. Mm-hmm. So yeah, just a boy is number two for me. Yeah. There's also, you mentioned the working, um, the working copy that you heard about, about the time you was writing your book, Julian of escape from the Island. If you search for it on YouTube, there's a working copy of them figuring out just a boy too. I stumbled across it a few years ago. I don't know if it's been taken down, and I haven't searched for it again since. But it's basically, you can hear, they're kind of counting through and figuring out, and they progress, 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 and begin building it up to 
it it never makes of course it's a working copy it's a rehearsal copy it never makes it to the quality that's on the album uh doesn't get to that finished point but it's something definitely to look for and see if it's still out there somewhere on youtube um it is it is still out there and there's actually one of those mixes as a like a church organ very js bach so you get like this really heavy church organ background to justify it's insane so do search that out on youtube because it's still up there and it circulates for collectors okay awesome all right so now we're up to number seven so rick what are your what's your prediction for i i I said odyssey Okay. Yeah, I think uh, Under the Rose. Okay. I'm, I'm going Under the Rose. Under the Rose. Mm-hmm. And Rick, I copied off your paper. I said Odyssey. <clears throat> uh, coming in at number seven, 361 points. And you see we're still in the 300s. There's not a lot of separation here. Um, 361 points. At number seven, the panel chose... Mr. Blackwell. Uh, three panelists, Ray Kelly, Aiden Pro Dalton, and Benoit Forgot picked it as their number one. I picked it um, for me as my number eight. And, and like Julian said about uh, picking uh, Just the Boys number 10, it don't mean that I don't like it. you got to rank them somewhere. Um, and in the context of everything else, I think the biggest problem I have with this song, it's a demon song on a Kiss album, and you knew it's God of Thunder for the Elder, uh, but uh, it it's, it's confusing, uh, and you don't really, you kind of, the, the, the context of the story starts getting clouded when you get to this part. It's like, this is how Gene and Lou Reed and, and, and Bob decided to introduce the demon, or, or to introduce the, uh, the antagonist, uh, to to the to the story, and I just think it kind of clouds the waters a little bit. But I love the the beginning. The beginning is spooky as crap. This song in the dark with the lights turned out. If you're at home by yourself, you will think you got the demon standing in the corner. You're expecting. The lights to turn red and blood be coming out of his mouth in the corner and him hunt lurking over you. But it, like I said, it's a demon song. But it kind of clouds the waters. But I love how he sings the low, I never said, and I never said. And he kind of comes in together, how it jumps in. And even like the vocals sound like we were talking about it in our review, where it's like, you cheat and lie. It's like... Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's it has a a swagger to it, yeah. I, it like but it's it drops below for me just because it clouds the story a little bit for me it kind of i get kind of lost so uh what about you rick i ranked it at number four and i, I do agree it it feels odd in the story context of the record but it is such a demon song um, like you said, those beginning bass notes are him spitting blood. Um, I love the reverb sound of his uh, hands on the bass strings where you hear the whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. Mm-hmm. Uh, It's just such a demon song. I, I absolutely love it. But I, I do agree with you. In the context of 
you know, the story of the album, it feels out of place. But I ranked it at number four just because I love it once again has his Phantom of the Park voice in it, and I love it. Yeah, in in terms of the story, what is a Mr. Blackwell? Well, in one treatment, he's like an imp, a demon. In the song, he's a demon. Uh, in another treatment, he's like a Wall Street power broker. You know, so it's kind of confusing when you've read all these different treatments and then you go listen to this stuff. And then, you know, I ranked it number nine. You know, so this was pretty low on my list strictly because I see it as a poor man's God of Thunder. That cluster of notes in the intros is the same as God of Thunder. It's just a rephrasing of the same thing. The intro, the, the demonic stuff that frightens you, well, that's just like a poor man's Ron Frangipani intro to Radioactive. You know, so it's not very original, and it's not it's not bad enough. It's not demon-like. It's really not scary for a villain. So, you know, that that's why it's it's down there. But you know what? I love listening to it. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. All right. What about you? I have it at number three. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> oh, why, why am I so different than you guys? <laughs> so, but, but I love it because you're the youngest of all of us. I, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I just. I really like this song. I. I do. I, I don't know. I, I like. I spend a good amount of time playing like horror games and stuff, and like I can just so clearly hear like the beginning of that song in like a horror game or something. And I feel. I feel like it's kind of creative, the way. I mean, whoever's decision it was. I feel like it was kind of creative to like add the delay over the, the string. You know, movement. You know, that seems like a pretty cool thing to do. You know, and as far as story context goes, it does shake things up a little bit. But maybe it's like that what they wanted it to be. Maybe Mr. Blackwell is like an interpretation of like what evil is to you. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe you got to think of it like, like that. I mean, right. so maybe maybe Mr. Blackwell is a demon. Maybe he is a Wall Street slime ball. Like who knows? Yeah, it could be an he could be he the embodiment of what you perceive as evil. Yeah. That's the that's out of the mouths of babes. <laughs> Gotta love it. Okay, uh, so now we're up to number six. One spot out of the top five. So lead us off, Rick, with that prediction for number six. I said Mr. Blackwell. Okay. I said only you. Ooh. I said only you as well. And we're all copying off each other's page. I said only you also. Uh, At number six, with 472 points, jumping 111 points up from number seven. 472 points. At number six, the panel chose A World Without Heroes. At number six. Five panelists, David King, Perpetual Art, John Howard, Paul Bertolino, and Tom S. picked it as their number one. I picked uh, A World Without Heroes as number nine for me. Uh, it's not that I don't like it. Like I, I find myself repeating what Jillian says. It's ten, 10 to me on this is better, is, is better than most songs on some Kiss albums. Uh, but you have to rank them. It to me, it's almost like uh, when you wish upon a star, and uh, man of a thousand faces. It's almost like it, it's it's a Gene Simmons solo album, 
throwaway, in my opinion. Uh, and, it, you know, it was written for this because Gene was just, wasn't this uh, every little piece of me originally or something like that or something that was every little piece or something. I can't remember. And Lou Reed helped Gene just, he was just throwing words out. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, Jillian, because I'm usually stealing my information from you. <laughs> <laughs> Then um, you'll never be wrong, and I'm not going to correct myself. <laughs> no, no, no. But I, yeah, but I, uh, you know, I, I like it. I do like it. Um, I remember being a kid, and a lot of people were pissed off about this song, especially the video with the demon crying at the end. People were like, "What the hell? The demon don't cry." You know, first Gene, you sung "When You Wish Upon a Star," and you smacked us on one side of the face, and now you don't cut your hair put on these new gay costumes and now you're and now you're singing world without heroes and crying and i remember seeing the video on solid gold they played it on solid gold and we kiss fan the demon fans got smacked on the other side of the face and it pissed a lot of people off i remember back in living it back in the day um but to me it just comes in at nine there's so many other better songs on the album in my opinion so what about you rick I ranked it at number five. Um, you know I love Gene Simmons' solo album. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's just very solo Gene. It's it's very deep lyrics for him. Kind of almost um, Imagine-type John Lennon lyrics in a way. Um, this is a song I can picture on Carnival of Souls, actually. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I just always liked it. It just had that Gene solo vibe to me. And being a fan that became a fan in the late 80s um this video seeing this video on extreme close-up was huge in my life as a as a teenager but yeah just got a great gene solo vibe to it so i love it yeah i rank this uh, close to you Rick, you know uh, number four and i think it's one of gene simmons very very best vocals but I don't know if I'm also biased because I really love how what they did with it on MTV Unplugged. So I think that probably colors me a little bit because it's a dreadful, you know, kind of lead-off single from an album, um, especially when you're Kiss. And it's, again, I, I draw a lot of parallels between The Elder and Destroyer. So this one fills the category of Beth. Um, but you know what? Demons don't cry. So... <laughs> So, you know, but it's such a great, again, such a great, great vocal. And, you know, lyrically, it's a pretty interesting song. So, yeah, I'm glad they took, got rid of uh, those borrowed vocals because uh, Paul's original melody was someone else's song. So every little piece of your heart was actually, I think that was Linda Ronstadt. I don't remember off the top of my head, but uh, it was someone else's song and they got rid of that. It was Lou Reed's lyrical idea. So I love the French horns in this. I meant to say that whenever I was talking. I love the French horn. The orchestration in this is great. And isn't this a Paul Stanley solo on here? Um, Julian, I can't remember. And it's a very David Gilmore-ish solo. I it remember is. listening to it, it today. It is one of his very best. I was coming home from Tennessee, driving home, and I'd already done my list. My, my score had been counted. But I remember listening. I was like, wow, that sounds like Pink Floyd. That, is a, for that song during that part turns into Pink Floyd. Um, but yeah, I, I love the, you was talking about some of the orchestration in it. I love, I'm a French horn f- freak 
and I love the French horns in this. You should see all the French horns he has in his garage. Yeah, I keep I collect French horns. <laughs> I don't have a garage. No, you don't. <laughs> uh, I I scored this one as uh, as ten. This is your low. Huh? This is my low, and I don't like it. Okay. I think it's boring and cheesy. Okay. <laughs> we can't win them all with him. Okay. I I, I mean that's just how I feel. This uh, growing someone who grew up in like the '90s and 2000s, like this just seems like a story that's been told like a thousand times in songs to me. Mm-hmm. And so, it, em- emo kiss. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's like, kiss. I mean, I've heard all of this kind of stuff. I grew up in the emo phase. Like, <laughs> not having hope is new, not anything new to me. So, um, I don't know. It, it's it's just not the strongest song. It's just not to me. Yeah. So, it, it, like, what I'm looking for in this album is a song that, like, makes me deliver, like, delivers an emotion to me, and just, this one just doesn't. So, this is your low point yeah. of the album. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's see. So, top five. Awesome. So, we're getting into it, uh, and, and uh, this is going to be fun, guys. Uh, so, Rick starts off with that number five prediction. Uh, prediction is a world without heroes. Okay. Prediction is dark light. Yeah, that's mine as well. Dark light. Dark light. Yeah. My prediction for number five was under the ropes. And with 495 points, at number five, the panel chose under the ropes. Uh, three, ten panelists, Mark Hilliard, Keith Utz, George Doley, Kiss, Car- Kiss Carolina Hard Rock Metalhead, Brian Stacy, Indy Colt 777, Jeremy Kimona, 3SV1333, and Guitar Man picked this as their number one uh, song on the album. And uh, I picked this as my number one song on the album, too. I remember when me and you reviewed this, uh, The Oath was my number one pick. Yes. But I've changed my mind. Uh under the Rose, hands down, uh, well, not hands down, but Under the Rose is my, um, it's been my, stayed at my number one for a couple weeks now since I started listening to this again to do this panel. And there is so much. First, it's Eric Carr melody. Um, the drums are written. Uh, I love the the whole interlude after the chorus, the da na 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 So much fun to play on drums. Um, the solo is great. Ace puts in a good solo on this. Uh, I like the, uh, the echo they put on it. And I love the way Gene, Gene sings the same way he sings on this as he does on World Without Heroes, except this song has a little bit more balls to it, in my opinion. And the choir that sings. I don't care that the choir is who sings the chorus and that Kiss is not singing the chorus because Kiss ain't playing the orchestra uh, instruments either. So, you know, this was a group effort. And when that chorus comes in, that loneliness will haunt you. Oh, man. Woo. That's right there. That's that's what it does. It's That is what I live for Kiss songs for, that when I hear them, the, my hair stands up on end. That, to me, is a good Kiss song. And Under the Rose is my number one pick off of this album. What about you, Rick? Well, now I want to go back and like listen to Under the Rose and maybe rank it higher. I ranked it at eight, 
And the reason I ranked it low was the choir chorus. I just, I, I never dug that. But listening to you talk about the song just now. Take it, I, just take it out of your mind that it's not Kiss and just, just yeah, listen to it I in know, that whole scheme. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, do, I do have a, a greater appreciation of it now, right now, sitting here. Yeah. Um, that's why I love these panels. Um, I, I'm not a huge Destroyer fan. And so that, that choir chorus reminds me of Destroyer. And so it just ranks low for me. At least in 70s background singers. True. Could have been true. female 70s background singers. Like True. Like See You in Your Dreams. <laughs> <laughs> I love 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 the solo though. Yeah. Those uh, those delays and those effects on that solo are so ace freely. And Very I, thought out. I love the solo. Mm -hmm. But yeah. I do I do want to go after we're done here I'm going to go listen to the song again. All right. Yeah, you said it there, Rick, the solo. And that really is exquisite. I ranked this at number seven on mine. I, I wish I could have put it higher, but there's just stuff I prefer uh, above it, even though it's, you know, Eric Carr's first real contribution to the band. And it's also kind of the, the one song on the album that really makes sense. It, it You know, with the chanting, with the section, the different sections of music, it kind of fits into the story and it feels like it belongs. Even if it doesn't make sense, it feels right. So it, it's a lot of good music in there. Gene's vocal is good. Um, middle of the road on, you know, kind of my personal ranking. Uh, okay, so I will say I did put this one low. I put it at nine. But I think, like, for me... Like nine and ten are like this far apart, so I I really do like the song. There's many more that I prefer more than this, um, and the reason that I put this one kind of low is because I don't know. There's just something about Eric Carr or uh, you know Eric, the, the the drummer oriented songs that um, I don't know. I, I just never can feel them rhythmically. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that's the difference whenever you let, uh, you're, you write a different song on a different instrument. And so, like, songs that are written on guitar and played with guitar are ones that I find myself, like, more inclined to. And so, anytime that there's a Peter song or a Eric, Eric either one song, I just never can really feel them that much. But I, I do really enjoy, you know, the choir is really great. I do really like Ace's solo. I mean, this is one of those ones that I don't feel like he like phoned it in or just mm -hmm. like played his you know old bag of tricks. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like the the effects definitely kind of help bring it out of that area from like mediocrity. But it's probably one of my favorite, not my favorite, but I'd say probably top three in the album as okay. far as solos go. But yeah, number nine. You're talking about visuals. The visual I see whenever I was a kid. You know, you open up the book and you've got the big long table there. And I see the boy standing at the end of this table. And the order of the rows is up and down this table. And you've got the, the elder, the elder sitting at the end of the table. And he's the one. He stands up and he goes, though you may be pure of heart, you know. And he's talking. This is the elder of the order of the rows talking to the boy. And then you get that pause and the boy's standing there and he like nods his head or or it's like 
And then it's like I see I used to see the whole table standing up and be, do you understand? Will you sacrifice? You know, just pointing at him. And that's just the visuals I saw when I was a kid. Yeah, and, and that's that's just what I see whenever I hear this song. I, and even to this day, fifty years old, I see that in my head still. Okay, so number four. What's the prediction on number four, Rick? Dark light. Dark light. My prediction was a world without heroes. Okay. Mine was way way wrong. Mine was Odyssey. Odyssey. Wow. Okay. <laughs> uh, and uh, my number four uh, prediction uh, was World Without Heroes. And what the panel chose at breaking into the five hundreds, at five hundred and two, uh, only seven above uh, under the rose, but at five hundred two. At position number four, the panel chose Dark Light. Um, and three panelists, Brew Life Eternal, D88 Racing, and Dark Light, uh, of course, <laughs> uh, picked uh, it. I, I always thought whenever I whenever he went to put his uh, thing in, I'm like, what if Dark Light didn't pick Dark Light? It's his favorite song. Uh, but uh, I picked Dark Light as number five. This This song used to be higher for me. But over the years, it's dropped a little. Uh, I've never liked the beginning, even though it gives that. The, it's supposed to give that. In, it always makes me think of Jaws, and I don't know if that was intentional or not. But I wish this song would have just started off with, they would have put some eerie, maybe sound stuff at the beginning of it, and they would have just done something different, and then it just come in with that that off beat rhythm I mean I love that riff that riff is awesome I love the way Ace sings in this and I love the talking that he does and it's getting darker all the time you know it's kind of mysterious it's kind of you know eerie mischievous trying to set that dark tone but then it just kind of jumps into this little happy little the dog like the dog is never ending it's kind of but and I love the solo. I love that it's just guitar and drums and percussion. There's no bass, there's no rhythm guitar. It's just ace. And in my opinion, although I've heard people say this solo's disorganized and whatever, there are some places where he just seems like he's just pulling different ace riffs out of his bag. Uh, there's certain parts on it where he's just shredding, and so I like it. I think it's a great, great solo. Um, but yeah, Dark Ride or Dark Ride, uh, Dark Lights kind of fell over time for me. So what about you, Rick? I put it kind of middle of the road, number six. Um, I always thought Jaws as well at the beginning, and uh, it always reminded me in like '79, Ace would do the uh, Close Encounters music during his uh, solo i always kind of connected this and that i don't know why i was 18 but um yeah middle of the road for me it's a it's a a song it's just it's fun it uh as with the the song title dark light i wish it was a little darker but like you said his solo it's actually like shredding to me like there's like the first like kiss solo that just has like pure shredding on it. And it always kind of just made me sad because this is like our last ace song. 
you know, of the time. And, you know, hearing the song, you just kind of wish he would have had contributions on Creatures, but middle of the road for me, number six. Okay. I have this one up on uh, number three, strictly because it's Ace Frehley. That that always weighs heavily on my mind on an album where he accused everyone of taking his solos off and cutting down his contributions. The title is just idiotic, dark light. That's just pure blue read. Um, so it never really made much sense. But come on, it's an Ace song. It doesn't need to make sense. Musically, him attacking that guitar throughout the song is just wonderful it's exquisite it, you know it's ace's last hurrah i agree about the intro the jaw stuff you know it's trying to be ominous and scary and you know I, I think this is one that they could have put some synthesizers and spacey kind of weird stuff about magic in that would have been equally senseless but in terms of you know the rest of the album being absolutely senseless in terms of what's there you know go on go for it make ace happy he certainly made me happy with this song. You know, great, great song. Yeah, that staccato, that, 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 that. It's just great. Moving around on those chords, it's great. Now, wasn't this originally Don't Run, and they, Blue Reed and Gene, like, shredded it and changed words around yeah. to make it try to fit more into context? It. Yeah. To totally shredded it. But then again, Ace also shredded it when he did it on the cruise. That was epic to watch him try and play this song. Just oh. hilarious. What about you, Guitar Man? Number four. Number four. Number four, yeah. Um, I, unlike most of you, have no loyalties to which member played something. So I just judge a song on its merit. Um, uh, and I don't know, it's just like, it's just a, like, it's just a rock song, dude. Mm -hmm. And I love it. But I like, I try and disregard the intro because you can't just steal a melody from something that's been yeah. written <laughs> um and like i don't know how they got away with that to be honest i looked up because i didn't know because i wasn't around at this time i didn't know if this was made before or after jaws so it's after <laughs> yeah um and i was like i'm like you, you, what you can't do that you couldn't get away with that nowadays um but yeah man like it's like straight up shred and i love it um, and I'm not normally a shred guy, you know me. I'm more of a like a like melodic, blues, progressive, bluesy, blues. bluesy, progressive. Like it, like melody is very important to me. Um, and so I'm not crazy into shred, but like this, like it's coming out of Ace, which is someone who normally just plays like your standard like pentatonic blues scale type stuff. Um, so it was nice to hear, and I really enjoyed it. So yeah, I, go four for me. Yeah, I love that. I love how Ace can just do so much, so many things. Uh, there's one part of the solo where he just takes his hand, he just takes his hand and just runs it down the neck, it's like, oh, it's like, it's like it's yeah, it's metal. It's just it's just rock, man. It's rock music. Just do what you want. Yeah, man. But towards the end there, though, he's just shredding. He's just freaking shredding. He he really is. Um, so uh. That brings us to the top three. Top three. So uh, what you got there for that prediction for number three, Rick? Only you. Only you. All right. Yeah, I had Odyssey. Okay. I was going to say the Oath. The Oath? Yeah. All right. 
Wow, the oath at number three? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how people feel about, like, I mean, I, I'm i not into, like, the online drama or anything. I mean, other than what we had discussed a couple of years ago. Um, but, you know, some people are really, some people are really flabby about Paul doing falsetto, especially yeah. this in this point in his career where he wasn't, like, very great at doing it yet. Yeah. Um, me, I predicted that they were going to choose Dark Light at number three. I was off just a little bit. Um what the panel chose for number three at 506 points, so only four points more than Darklight. At number three, the panel chose Only You. And uh, it had uh, three panelists, Anthony, H. Hill, uh, Wurz Drago, and Mikel D. picked Only You as their number one. Me, I picked Only You as my um, second favorite song. This is, to me, the most classic, classic Kiss song on the album. It has some amazing riffs in it. It has some amazing old school riffs, that that almost pre-more machine, that riff in it. Whenever they break into that, it, it reminds me so much of War Machine that what that was to come in just a, a year or two. Uh, I love, one of my favorite, I love everything about this song, but one of my favorite parts is whenever they go into the part where he says, in every, every age and every time a hero is born, as if by a grand design, and then they reprise back into the melody from Just a Boy. Golden. That, to me, the Beatles did it. I mean, bands like that did it. And I know the Beatles, they were huge fans of the Beatles. They did it on Abbey songs on Abbey Road. They did it on songs on Sgt. Pepper. And that, to me, is the feather in the hat and the, the feather in the cap and the tip of the hat to the Beatles whenever they did that. And it kind of brings the story back together that, oh, yeah, we were talking about the just a boy at the beginning. It's only you, you know, have the answers. You are the light and you are the way. I love this because this is the story. This is just, it's ingrained in the story to me. It's before it gets clouded. Um, so, but yeah, Only You is amazing. I love it. It's number two for me. Rick? Number two for me as well. And my number two is tied with my number one. And my number one I, has a little Beatles uh, tip of the hat as well. Um, I absolutely love this song. I love the riff. And Stephen, you have to teach me how to play that riff because i absolutely love that riff i need tom dust to post a video of him playing this riff the riff is so much fun and like you said brant has that delicious riff in the in the in the middle that we would later hear on revenge again but uh oh man such a great feel with this song almost has like a within feel too Mm -hmm. um but man, I absolutely love this song. Number two for me. Actually, number one, but I had to hmm. pick an order. I feel guilty after that. Number six. <laughs> That's okay. You got to place and, it and somewhere. Don't feel guilty. It, it, again, it's just, you know, where the other ones fell that day. Um, it's a gorgeous song. And, you know, now that kind of the vaults out and you get to hear Gene's earlier versions of the melodies and how it was, you know, a decade in the making for him to get to where he did. 
the vocal is fantastic and i love that beatles element and again you know pulling in at the end what they did just a really nice touch all right well julian don't feel guilty because it's number seven for me uh yeah i i I don't know what it's it's kind of the same way i felt about um I don't know. It's just like there's nothing in this song that really like spoke to me. I mean, like the guitar riffs are great, and you know they they sound very cool. I just I don't really enjoy Gene's soft spoken vocal delivery that much. It's not like I I just don't like the style, and I think that puts a big halter on it for me. Um, I will say that like when they reprise back to Just a Boy, like I'm glad that that's not a songwriting cliche that's been like killed. Because I really, really enjoy it, and that like shows a consciousness of like songwriting that bands can have sometimes, where you know they replies back to a melody or a vocal line, and that's really cool. And you know there are a lot of bands out there to do it, but it's not like overabundant. And so I'm glad that's something that's not been done a lot. But yeah, number seven. Sorry. Uh, that's okay. <laughs> uh, we talk about how Gene's an under underappreciated bass player. I want to say at the beginning of this, it starts off with just that real simple classic, that little that little riff, and when Gene comes in and starts singing, mm-hmm. he's pl- the bass that's behind his vocal. He's singing to the melody of the bass line that he's playing, uh, and once the drums come in, he kind of settles in on the you know the quarter notes and the half notes, but when he's doing that do 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 do, you know he's playing along to what he's singing. And uh, I love whenever it comes in and the drums start uh, playing, it almost sounds like they put a backwards effect on his voice. You hear his words come in before he actually says them. That's really cool for the atmosphere of the song and the atmosphere of the album. That's another little Bob Ezrin trick. That could have been easy to do at the time either. I mean, these days you just throw a filter on the you know, digital workspace, but I can't, if they were working like it with tape at that time, I couldn't imagine that would have been something easy yeah, to do. I, that would have been interesting to see how they would have done that with tape. They would probably, maybe I had to record some stuff backwards. And I, I will say, I, I forgot to mention this really quickly. And the one thing that I really admire about the, uh, about the writing of this song is uh, in the intro riff, like the first eight measures before it starts to repeat again in, in the intro riff, Ace doesn't play, a duplicate chord in that whole eight major measures. He plays chord inversions the whole time, which gives it like a different, it's like you never get to fully settle in onto what it sounds like until you, it's already started repeating again. I think that's a really nice, uh, a really nice writing technique. And that also shows that like where Ace has come from, like even just since the beginning of Kiss. See, I love when we turn our things into music theory classes because I know a lot of our viewers like perpetual art. They 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 perk up whenever we start talking theory and and notes and pentatonic scales and diminished arpeggios and they love that, especially when it comes out of a drummer. Uh, but you yeah, know, well, I mean, Kiss plays all diatonic music mostly, so yeah. yeah. So there you go, perpetual you art. You only go, you can only go so far. <laughs> all right, so. Uh, we are up to the top two. So once we say what number two is, process of elimination, if you've been paying attention and playing at home and haven't uh, skipped, just skipped to get to this part, uh, you'll know what number one is, but we'll we'll do it. Uh, so, Rick, uh, what would you predict 
panel for number two? Aye. 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 Of number two, what did I predict? Uh, I thought it would be Mr. Blackwell. Mr. Blackwell? Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, I like the song. <laughs> I mean, I can't help no one else thinks the way I do. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and for me, I as well. Uh, and so at number two, beating out only you by one point <laughs> at 507 points, coming in at number two is I. Uh, 15 panelists, Tony P. One, Vincent Marone Author, Jeff Wyatt, Jason Zimba, John Schaefer, Emily Graziano, Lee Gersman, That Toy Bonnie Guy, Trevor Bullock, Super Kiss 1200, John O., Jay Reed, X Josh, Two Gay Dads, and Rick R. picked it as their number one song. I picked I as number seven. I remember seeing this on uh, TV whenever they played it the very first time. Uh, of course, they were using a, a track, and you see the memes all the time of Gene and Paul saying, I believe in me. Um, and I remember they, they didn't say, and the balls to stand alone. It was, and the guts to stand alone. Um, but I remember seeing I, and I, to me, was just, even the lyric before Paul starts singing, the whole gang, 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 It's just, you know, Eric didn't play on it, which we didn't know that. Uh but Paul does his best. I, I love the the. I was so frightened, almost ran away. I mean, uh, but I like that Paul did that. I don't understand exactly what he was trying to get to, or, with that. But it's a Paul and a Gene. It's a it's rock and roll all night, for the elder to me. It's supposed to be the anthem. It's supposed to be the. I believe in something more than you can't understand. You know, it's it's supposed to be the I want to rock and roll all night or the shout it out loud of the album. To me, that's my opinion. Uh, but I've never really liked this song uh, very high on the album. It's never been in the top five, but I don't dislike it. It falls in seven for me. So what about you, Rick? I picked it at number one. Um, absolutely I love. I absolutely love any time Gene and Paul trade off vocals. Um, that's a that's a win for me right there. Um, lyrically, I love it because this is where G- we would see Gene go in the '80s. Trial by fire, mm-hmm. you know those positive like you can achieve any dream you want. Those Gene lyrics that I grew up loving. This was like the first kind of and. Uh, just such a such a fun, great jam song. Um, again, I love the tip of the hat to the Beatles at the end um, with Gene actually singing a lyric from Rock and Roll All Night. I want to rock a, and uh, roll. Yeah. yeah, a little tip of the hat to All You Need Is Love mm-hmm. at, the, uh, at the end of that song. I've always loved that. And it's just, it's, a, it's such a positive track. I think I'm a huge, Julian, I'm, I'm a huge... Uh, asylum fan and like songs like trial by fire were so big to me as a teenager i would write those lyrics down and think oh you know with the power of this band i can do anything as well and that's what i get from this song that's why it's number one for me 
you know, Gene Simmons is a motivational or inspirational speaker. I don't know how well that works. You know, I believe in me, me, me. Oh, and yeah, you ace, you don't need to get wasted. It only holds you down, dude. You know, at a time where you're having a problem with your guitarist, you kind of lecture them in your lyric. But I love how they, uh, you know, the vocals. I love the music. I love the swagger of the song. I love the West Side Story, Paul vocal part, you know, um, that you mentioned. Everything about it. This could be one. It could be number two. On this day, I ranked it number two. Um, it could easily be number one. It's positive kiss music. It's, you know, life affirming. It's positive. And it also rock and rolls all night. So, you know, it's a perfect kiss composition and execution. And Eric Carr had no problem playing that song on Fridays. So I just don't get why, you know, they say he couldn't cop the feel. Well, he copped it fine in the, you know, when they did play it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and and Eric Swansburg, Eric Swansburg, Swartzenberg, he, I've noticed that whenever I was doing research, he always <clears throat> had a tendency to, be credited at least I'd see either on wiki or on some of your stuff where he would appear as a ghost musician doing quote unquote drum fills and other drum parts for Eric. So I, I don't know if maybe he was just Alan was Paul and Jean's comfort security blanket kind of breaking in the new Eric breaking in the new, the new drummer um, and when you read Paul's book, of course, this is coming from Paul's words. Eric wasn't very confident. It was it blew his mind that he was in Kiss, and he battled issues of having confidence and believing he was good enough to be in Kiss. And I mean, who knows? That could have been could have been true, or it could have been uh, placed upon him by being in a band with two big, huge egos, such as Gene and Paul. So. Um, yeah, it is kind of interesting that that Eric played on every song on the album, except for like you said, I and and he had no problem playing it on Fridays. So, just so. quick, just quickly on that, like I think me and you can both attest for like being like being hard on yourself mm-hmm. and like not being confident in your ability. And we've talked a lot about it before, but like the way that you look at someone who's better than you, there's someone who's worse than you that looks at you that way. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. I, I, that's that's the thing that you got to try and think about. As a musician, there's always somebody better, and there's always somebody worse. Yeah. You just have to try to be happy and confident in what your abilities are and try to improve. Yeah, and just work harder. Right. All right, so what do you think about I? Where do you score it as? Uh, I scored it at eight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the, uh, the vocal deliveries are a little strange. This is one of those songs where, like, if we're talking about the context of this being in a film, this is the one where I really, really have a hard time being like, okay, where does this one fit in the film? Because the only thing I can figure is like, this is the one that rolls during the credits, right? I mean, it has to be because this is like we've, we've, you know, although it's not at the end of the track listing, it's like, okay, we've we're a boy, we we've been the boy, we've been the man, we've beat Mr. Blackwell, we ran off the exploding Bruce Willis Island, and we've won, and now you can do anything you want. And now we've time warped into the 80s, and we're in an 80s montage like Ferris Bueller riding down the parade, yeah. and ticket tape's falling down, and we're on the parade thing going, I believe I can do it. Yeah. Do you, do you? Yeah, so, and, and like, you know, 
never mind like Escape from Island, Mr. Yeah. Blackwell, that already throw like the the time loop into this. But this is the one of the ones where I really, really had a hard time imagining where this fits into a film. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, I think we said before on our original thing was credits. Yeah. This is where the credits roll. <laughs> yeah, this is, I think that was the Joker. Like, and this is where the credits roll. Yeah. Uh, and then yeah. at the very end, the guy's talking at the very end. Morpheus, he's got the light in his eyes. Yep, that's the that's the uh, that's the pre-trailer for. That's the, the pre-trailer for the sequel. <laughs> yeah. See, we had all this worked out. It's like you know, one of those were the scenes that comes back at the very end it's of the Marvel movie. ending. Yeah, you know, a Marvel ending, <laughs> or a John or a John Hughes ending. He he was real big about doing that with. Ferris Bueller and uh, Home Alone, and he did that on some of, you know. They do it a lot in superhero movies now, but John Hughes did it a lot in his movies in in the 80s. I wouldn't know. No, you wouldn't know. You weren't born until 93. Five. That's my sister. Oh, 93. I get y'all confused. It's okay. Anyway. (laughs) How old are you again? I just turned 25. He just turned 25. So there you go. All right. So... Number one, we know what it's going to be, but what was the what was your prediction, Rick? I said the oath. Julian, the oath. I thought it was going to be I, but and I predicted the oath. I knew the oath was just too strong on this. And check this out, guys. I at second scored five hundred seven points. The oath at number one scored seven hundred and five. It's like it blew the rest of them out of the water. Uh, 35 panelists, uh, Matt Ucci, Frederick, Scalin, Kiss Posters, A.J. Zetro, Sweet Dan, Wesson Matthews, Serena Dorothy, Hal Face, Sean DeHan, Colin, Paradi- Colin Paradise, Colin Paradise just sounds bad, Colin Paradine, Tony Rod, Dave Cranston, Sam Lewis, Jack Skellington, Paul Teplius, Tom Dust, Aladio, Bill Sharp, Demetrius K, Travis Mulgard, John B. Good, Snake Hips 3131, Mick C, Orville Dunworth, The Matthew Smith, Joel Pegg, Hulspa Metal, Les Wadley, Vaporman, Sublime 130, Jay Lee, Keith Nidu, Greek and Greek Freak picked this as their number one. I picked the oath as my third favorite. It used to be my favorite song on the album. And but I found myself when I listened to the album. Um, when I when I'm listening to the oath, and then I go back and I listen to uh, uh, under the rose and only you, uh, I like it. I like them more. I, I like those two tracks more. Uh, so it pushed the oath down to three for me. But still, it could just as be one point five, or it, it's still um, just as good as being number one. The oath is everything that is right that Kiss did right on this album. If 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 they were going to do this album that a lot of people considered a horrible, horrible, horrible failure initially, we at least got the oath out of it. The oath is amazing. I know a lot of people, like Steven said, they don't care for Paul's falsetto. I said mistakenly one time that this, on our review, that this is the first album that we a song that we got double bass on. There actually was some double bass on Torpedo Girl at the very end of the song. I didn't say so, I didn't prefer. I just said I didn't think a lot of people did. Yeah. I liked it. But um, to me, the oath is from from the very opening lines. You you if you've got your thing, if you've got your stereo turned up to seven, you're going on up to ten, and you're going to keep turning the dial to see if you can get it higher. 
uh, and you roll the windows down and you speed up about 10 miles an hour uh, while you're going down the road and you listen to this amazing, amazing song. Everything's amazing about it. Um, even the falsetto, harmon, falsetto harmony vocals. Not just falsetto, but harmonizing falsetto vocals. Uh, great song. So it's uh, number three to me. It could just it could as easily be number one. But what about you, Rick? I'm pretty much a mirror of ex- everything you just said. Uh, number three for me could be number one. Um, it's oh man, that riff. It's the riff, and it, this is kind of a glimpse of the the band we would get moving forward. This is a. Um, a prequel to creatures, a prequel to lick it up. And, um, man, it's that riff. Yeah. It's just delicious. Yeah. For me, it's number one has always been number one from this album will always be number one. Um, my personal quest of finding the elder is just so tied up with this one song. Um, it's also one that I love playing on guitar. I just, absolutely i mean i hear and you like reach for a guitar where's a guitar you know i need to plug in and and play it um the falsetto works on it Mm -hmm. the regular vocal phrasing works on it the lyrics again are very positive kiss they're you know just again it's motivational inspirational and it makes sense within the dynamic of a pseudo story soundtrack It's number one for me as well. I, I mean, I love everything about the track. It's very power metal, very early power metal-ish, or as the kids call it nowadays, Viking metal. Uh, uh, it, it's like that kind of like very punchy riff, and you know, we, we do get the double bass over the course of whenever Paul's doing the falsetto and stuff, and like, I don't know. It. I mean, it's. I'd say... The same way that 10 and 9 were pretty far for me on this album, I'd say like 2 and 1 are pretty far away on this one. Uh-huh. So, I, I mean, it's far and away the, my favorite song on this album. Far and away probably one of my favorite Kiss songs, period. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, number one. Yeah, With a very short, almost sounds incompleted solo by Mr. Paul Stanley, um, it's maybe two or three bars and then he's done. And I think, uh, Julian, if I'm correct, Ace recorded a solo for it, but uh, Bob opted not to use it. Is that correct? I don't know about that, but he certainly did fine on a solo on Fridays when uh, they did the the TV broadcast of it. Ace nails one there, so that worked well with the song, so he probably did something. Yeah, he played played a full solo right up all the way to before Paul came back in and started singing. I love the bridge on this. I love how they stop and then uh, Eric does those those fills going down to Tom. To do, 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 do. That's just fun. Anytime you get to do Tom work on the drums, because you spend so much time on the bass and the snare, and when you get to do those kinds of drum fills on this, and this this song is just chock full of, of drum fills on the toms. But, you know, even though they they don't really... Uh, go back into a melody or anything. I like how when Paul says there's no turning back from this odyssey. Oh, yeah, odyssey. So even that little one word, there's no turning back from this odyssey. Oh, yeah, odyssey. We heard that song earlier. Uh, you know, if the way it was. And I, 
I had, and you know, we all had, we didn't get it until the reissue or whatever, the original, the actual running order. It really did a lot of disservice when they changed it around and put the oath right at the very beginning. But this is their first album they did for Polygram. And Polygram was left in the dark about a lot of it. I think I read uh, somewhere that, like, Ezrin would only talk to Kiss and a coin. He wouldn't talk to the record label directly. He Everything had to be communicated uh, from him to the record label from a coin. And uh, when Polygram got it, they freaked. Because <laughs> this was their first deal, first album with their big Polygram deal. And uh, they, they get the elder. Um, so I think it spent like 11 weeks on the charts. And then it was gone. So, But it, it's a classic. So, um, How would you feel... If someone handed you the Beatles, and then Beatles turn up with Sgt. Pepper. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, this almost, you know, I know it's a far stretch, but um, this could, this is like almost like Kisses Sgt. Pepper. I mean, and the and Sgt. Pepper isn't, if you listen to Sgt. Pepper, I'm not trying to slam a Beatles fan, because God knows I got enough troll trolls on my channel already. I'll uh, do it. I don't so, like the Beatles, so... <laughs> But, no but there's not there's not very much cohesiveness to Sergeant Peppers either. It's just but you appreciate it for what it is, and I love Sergeant Peppers. It's one of my favorite Beatles albums. Um, but yeah, you you, it's a concept album as well. Um, so yeah, that's it. So final thoughts before we talk about the next thing we're going to talk about. And for those of you who've stuck around this long, you're going to get a light, nice little nice little surprise here. So final thoughts, Rick. Um, just like you guys were mentioning the working copies of songs earlier, just a boy and escape from the Island. This is the one, the one album I wish there was a box set for with all sorts of, you know, demos and, and scripts and a coffee table book. This, this album so mysterious. This album needs to be appreciated and needs to be, you know, a, a loving product needs to be put out for this record. Um, and then on a completely different note, but the same, thank you, Brant, for doing these panels. Um, this one has come full circle for me as my first videos I ever watched of you were you and your son reviewing. So very cool to meet you tonight. And also, Julian, I met you at the uh, Dress to Kill corner in New York. You gave me this button, and you That's sat right. right. You sat right behind. You were, us. you were filming. You were filming that day. Yeah, and you sat right behind us at the Madison Square Garden show. So this episode here is life full circle, and it's awesome. So so much fun to be a Kiss fan. All right. That's that's so funny. That's awesome. What about closing thoughts and final thoughts on the elder for you, Jillian? There, there are no final thoughts on the elder. It's a continuous thought about the elder. Every time I listen to it or get in the mood to it, I like what Rick said about the deluxe edition. We, you know, it's been a topic that many a fan have discussed and debated. It would be wonderful to hear what's left from the cutting room floor. I still want to know what dialogue 
you know, was cut out? Is it just what we found in the script um, was all there was? I want to hear Ace's solos that he suggests Bob stole, you know, that uh, he deleted. I want to hear the four songs in pristine condition that they were recording before it became The Elder. Um, there's so much more with The Elder, but it's never going to happen because it's an embarrassment. It's the Brown album. The Beatles had the white album. Kiss had their Brown album. Mm. What about for you? Being a, being a, being a, a relatively new Kiss fan and being this one of the first albums you got exposed to. Well, I'll say quickly, likewise, Rick, uh, it's nice to be in a video with you. My dad talks about you more than most real people and well, I'm not saying you're real but like internet face to face he talks about you more than Rick, he does. Rick is a common Rick is a household name in my house pretty I know. much, <laughs> pretty you, much you, get, you get talked about like you're the neighbor that lives next door yeah, you really do yeah. you get talked about a lot um, but yeah so likewise and you know thanks for watching and being a good friend yeah. of my dad you know he needs someone to say all this crazy stuff to besides me um <laughs> Yeah. But uh, final final thoughts on Elder. Gosh, okay. Probably the, I can't remember if it was second or third, but it's like second or third Kiss albums I was exposed to. I think maybe the first one was Destroyer. I can't remember if this or Carnival of Souls was the next one. I don't understand why there's so drama, so much drama around this album. Mm -hmm. Like, and I think this is one of the ones where it's just like, this and both, this and Carnival of Souls both exhibit the, this doesn't sound like my band, so therefore, I will hate it. And I think that's just such a bad way to think about music, man. Like, you, it's a shame. You pigeonhole your band so much by doing that. Just let them, let them make music, and if you don't like it, then at least give it a chance. Yeah. And, but, and my biggest thing is, if you don't like it, cool. Don't make someone else... Tell, don't tell someone else they don't have to they can't like it uh -huh. um, so I, I'm in like it's it's just like one of those I don't want to say it's a masterpiece but it's just such a far and away thing and like maybe some types of music that wouldn't like Kiss fans may have never even been exposed to so I mean may have perhaps it was a poor like financial decision or like business decision i mean ultimately the film never got made so really it was just kind of waste to make the soundtrack but i don't think it was because i love it and i hold it dear to my heart yeah that's awesome i read somewhere and that makes me proud that's parenting done right <laughs> that makes me proud uh um, but I read somewhere that the album was supposed to be the, the, the appetizer that was supposed to wet people's whistle, um, that they had a budget set aside for a tour. They had, that was going to be a themed tour. They, and, and I don't know how much of a budget was set aside, but Rick, going back to your coffee table book, if there was stage design, we saw the costumes because they had the costumes so would it be like Kiss to design costumes without designing a stage? Mm -hmm. I think there was a stage design. I, they probably had, you know, uh, they probably had stage design. It would have been interesting to see what the stage would have looked like. It would have been interesting to see the entire script for this movie, what, if there actually was scripted. But from what I think I've read, 
um, that there was a budget set aside for the movie and there was a budget set aside for a tour. And then when the album came out and wasn't well received and flopped, then they just scrapped everything else. They scrapped the tour and scrapped the movie and just then slowly put the album on the shelf to let it collect dust. It's one of those albums that real surprise it really surprises me that they even they still acknowledge that it's in the catalog. Um, that they didn't delete it. Um, but we'll see if we ever get a, a reissue. I know we've gotten some reissues of albums like Dynasty, looking to see if we get a reissue of Unmasked. And uh, and if we get a reissue of Unmasked, well, let's see if we get a reissue of The Elder. So it'd be really... But I would like to see it be something other than just a colored vinyl. But most likely, that's what we're going to get. We'll get a colored vinyl. Um, but it's a shame. Hope, that... hope it's brown vinyl then. <laughs> brown vinyl. I bet. I bet it'll be clear. Just total clear vinyl. Clear vinyl. Yeah. Um, but the elder is. It's to me. It's one of those albums that I listen to very often. And when I put it in, I'm like you, Rick. I like to listen to it from beginning to end, and mm-hmm. I like to play that story in my head uh, as it's going. I like to play it uh, and play it over and over and over. All right, so guys and gals of the panel, that is The Elder. So if you've stuck around this long, then guess what? You have a special opportunity. Uh, we have with us, as we've said, we've got Mr. Julian Gill with us and uh, from KISS FAQ. So be sure to check out his webpage and be sure to check out his YouTube page Give him a subscription uh, and uh, check his website out because it, it was a, uh, a gold mine for me, continues to be. And uh, he's got a good uh, um, he's got a good community going on over there too on his pages as well. But Mr. Gill wrote the, the it's, it's Odyssey, right? What's the name of the book in, in its entirety? The Odyssey. And that is his book. Yeah, do, do I want to do the full title? Odyssey. The Definitive Examination of Music from the Elder, Kiss's Cult Classic Concept Album. That's a mouthful. Yes. Um, uh, Jillian has uh, graciously is uh, going to allow one of his uh, books to be given away. He's going to sign it, uh, and I'm going to have a contest. So if you're watching this video right now, I recently have launched a website. I am going to put the website in the link because it's a mouthful and I can't remember it right now off the top of my head because it's brand new. But the link is going to be in the description of this video. So if you once once you finish watching the video, go to that link. Click on that link and go to the contact me page and you will be asked to put in your name and an email address. You can put, it'll ask for a phone number, but you don't have to put the phone number. You can just put in an email. I just need a way to contact you. Put in in the little subject thing there that you want to be entered in the Elder Book Contest. And I am going to give you until March the 15th. I don't even know what day that is. I just pulled that, that date out of my butt. But you've got until March the 15th to get a message to me via that website on the Contact Us page. 
put in your name and your email address or your phone number and I will notify you if you're the winner. I am not going to contact you. I'm not going to send you spam mail or send you spam texts if you do not win. That is only to get, I'm not trying to collect data or anything like that. That is just the best way for me to get people entered in to the contest from a central location. Plus, while you're on my website, take a look around. It's kind of kind of become my hub for social media videos, podcasts, things of that nature. I've currently added been added to iTunes for podcasts and Podomatic. So you can there's going to be some audio exclusive stuff coming up on those things. So go to that website before March the 15th and put your name and information in there and let me know that you want to be entered in winning that book. We'll draw the winner. I'll make a video announcing it and then we'll have Mr. Gill sign that and maybe even dedicate it to you. And uh, if that's okay with you, Jillian, uh, and uh, send it out to you. So how's that sound? Sound good? Sounds good to me. All right, man. That's awesome. All right. Well, Jillian, once again, sir, totally appreciate it. I admire you greatly, and I hope to meet you someday. But we'll figure something out. We'll make it happen. Well, we'll all meet in New York City, July 17th, 2021. <laughs> there you, there you go. go. <laughs> yep. I don't know if I'll be in the concert, uh, but if it's at Central Park, I'll stand outside of it and listen. <laughs> and there's always the dress to kill corner. I'm sure it'll yes. be busy that weekend. Oh yeah. gosh. Yeah. Oh yeah. The dress to kill corner. There'll be a line. There'll be a line to 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 get the picture taken with the pole. Uh, yeah. That's a bucket list type stuff right there. Uh, Rick, awesome. Same as always, man. Thanks for being my partner in crime. And thanks for having me. Being sticking here with me through these panel videos. You've been in the very first one, and we're just gonna keep drudging through. We're gonna get through these '80s, man. Oh, uh, this this is the juice right here. We're getting into the '80s, so yeah. I'm excited. Yep, looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. And then, and as always, thanks for my son taking taking time out of his busy schedule. I just I'm just glad I I raised one one kiss fan out of the bunch. Well, you know when you'll see me back here, if I, not before, but you know for sure when you'll see me back. I know when I'll see him back. He'll be back for at least Carnival of Souls. <laughs> All right. See, see, I think it's funny. And this is where Kiss, this is the little tidbits at the very end that the, the people hang on to my two long videos. Kiss, two bands that they consider, two albums they considered embarrassments. The Elder, Carnival of Souls. Two of a 25-year-old person's favorite albums, Kiss albums, The Elder and Carnival of Souls. Yeah. Mm. Carnival of Souls is my favorite. Like, I mean, bar none. And I don't know. I mean, I grew up primarily in, like, you know, mm -hmm. 90s, 2000s. So, like, that's all my jam. He told me one time, I like Kiss when they're not trying to sound like Kiss. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite, yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. We appreciate it. Thank you, panel members, for contributing. And thank you guys for watching. We will be back with another panel video. And let's see. What is next? Creatures of the Night is next. So by the time you see this video, the Creatures poll will be up on all my social media and open. You can also, if you want to submit your... Uh, lists for creatures and any future panel uh, albums 
feel free to go to the website and put your information in on contact us put your list in there as well use that website as a hub if you will uh, and that's it guys that's all I've got I'm Brant within my head channel for Rick and Mr. Gill and my son Stephen we'll see you next time guys thanks for watching <laughs>